Good evening and welcome to Monsters Among Us. I'm your guide, Derek Hayes. Welcome to week two of Spooky Season. If you're looking for a fright, you've knocked on the right door. Tonight's show is stuffed full of terrifying tales and sincere, scary stories. But, before we begin, a little note about last week's program. After it aired, I received dozens of emails and messages about a repeat story featured on that episode. Many of you claimed that you'd heard Michaela's story from the UK about the hooded figures in the English countryside somewhere before. Most claiming it was my show. Well, full disclosure, guys, I screwed up. I don't know how I did it, but I somehow replayed Michaela's call. I saw the conspiracy theories. I'm not short on stories or anything like that. Just simply goofed up. So sorry about that. But at least it was an amazing story. Alright, enough of all that. Let's dig into it. There are certain staples to this time of year. Pumpkins, leaves, bonfires, and of course, scary movies. Well, it's not all that often that we get to discuss the latter. But thankfully, Eddie from California sets us up for just such a discussion. Hey, Derek. My name is Eddie. I live in Southern California. But the reason I'm calling is because I had a strange experience involving the exorcist steps. Now, I don't know if this gets much play. You probably have to file this under miscellaneous because uh, I may be the only person who was affected by the exorcist steps in Georgetown, Washington, D.C. It goes like this. I used to have the exorcist book up in the attic of our house. When I was a kid, I used to see it, but I didn't crack it open. It just, you know, scared me too much. I didn't see the movie till much later in high school. I went to a, a drive-in on my own and saw it on the big screen. Loved it, and I loved the movie, and really had no effects on the movie. But when I grew up in Arlington, I ended up going to college in Minnesota, but I came back to Arlington to live after college. And you can see the extra steps from the Arlington side across the Potomac. And I always wondered about those steps. You know, it'd be kind of fun to go visit it and walk down it. But when I went there, stood at the top of those steps and looked down, you know, it's just, it's a creepy feeling. And, you know, maybe superstition got the best of me. And I didn't want to go down those steps at that time. I gathered up the courage later, talking early 90s, I guess, uh, 91 or so. And I went down those steps, and strange things began to happen after that. Almost immediately, when I got down to the bottom of the step, I was walking to the metro station, you know, catch a ride back over to Virginia, and practically walked in front of a police car at the stop suddenly. You know, I guess I was lost in my thought. But things got from bad to bad to unsettling, I would say. The bad thing is, I was walking along home from the metro. It might have been weeks later, but someone shouted from a car as they, they passed me, just yelled, hey. And I looked up and an egg was thrown from the car. I didn't see the driver or, or the passenger who threw it, but it hit me square in the eye. And it would have been funny if it didn't hurt so much. Now, again, this is a series of bad luck or unfortunate incidents, and I never really tied it to you know, a curse of the exorcist steps. I don't even think there is one unless I'm the only one who was affected. 
But it wasn't too long after that that we had one of the coldest winters in Virginia. And I lived in Arlington with a bunch of roommates. I lived down in the basement. And my roommate down the hall came sloshing up to me like at four in the morning. I say sloshing because the pipe had burst and we were standing at about ankle deep of ice cold water. And we went over to his room trying to figure out, okay, you know, how did this happen? And you could see water lapping up to a surge protector. He said, well, let's lift that out of the water, you know, before it electrocutes us and kills us. Again, I'm not tying it to going down next to the steps. It's just these weird things were happening. I'd say it would be more coincidence than anything. You know, I blame the cold weather. I blame, you know, a prankster for throwing the egg. But things got really unsettling when I got this notice from the phone company that said my phone number had been changed. Now, back then in the early 90s, we didn't have cell phones. It was just a landline. And I always had this number travel with me. It was a 703 area code. Let's say it's 703-555-1212. Well, the notice that I got in the mail was that my number had been changed. Please verify that my number has been changed to 703-666-1212. Now, that's not even close to what my number was. The only numbers that changed were those three digits from 555 to 666, but it's actually not 555. I'm just throwing that out there. Um, But it is unnerving to get a message like that when I did not make a phone call. And the only rational explanation I could think of is that either there was some, you know, glitch in the computer system and it randomly chose those numbers and, you know, placed it on my phone, something I did not do, or my roommate, as a practical joke, you know, phoned it in. I don't even remember telling him about the travel down those steps. So it was just a little unnerving. After that, you know, I moved away from that house, you know, over to D.C., and uh, never really experienced anything uh, odd or demonic or anything like that. It was just an interesting thing that happened to me after I worked on the steps, a series of unfortunate events. So I was wondering if your listeners had any experience, because now the steps are a D.C. landmark, and a lot of tourists go there, fans of the movie go there, and you know, run up and down these steps, and I'm just wondering maybe somebody else has had some kind of... Uh, weird experience after doing that a series of bad luck like I did. It'd be interesting. I may be the only one. If so, great. It was a one-off. But if other people have had some series of unfortunate events, then I know I'm not the only one. Anyway, great fan of the show. You're doing great work. Love these stories. Gets me through the day and through the night. Talk to you later. Bye. Thanks, Eddie. I've actually been to Georgetown. I wasn't aware then that it was the home of this infamous landmark, otherwise I certainly would have walked down them. Now Eddie proposes that he may be the only one affected by the infamous steps, and according to the digging I did, that may be correct. I've been unable to find any instances of strange happenings there. But there is a curse connected here. There are several horror films from the previous half-century said to have cursed productions. The Omen, Poltergeist, and of course, 1973's 
The Exorcist. A lot of people believe the movie was severely cursed because it's based on a true story. William Peter Blady, the writer of The Exorcist, came across a story of a little boy who was possessed. The Catholic Church regards that case as one of the very few authentic cases of demonic possession in this country. That was the basis for The Exorcist. Of course, it changed the little boy to a little girl. But at the end of the day, The Exorcist was based on fact. It is strange that movies that have to do with the occult will have spooky or strange things happen to the actors and to the crew on set. Linda Blair experienced accidents. I was definitely challenged by the physicality, fractured my lower back, but it was something that I was able to compartmentalize. One day there was a fire on a set. The set burned to the ground. And we had no idea why. And there was a lot of speculation as to what could it have been. For some mysterious reason, the bedroom where the devil possesses Linda Blair's character, Reagan, was the only part of the set untouched by flames. After the exorcist fires, they had the set blessed. A lot of people want to believe more in the curiosity, the dark side, the possibility, could it have been? And then there were others that were more apt to say, no, it's just an electrical short that happened. But a lot of people kept certain things away from me because they would never want to do anything that would scare me from going back on set. That clip comes courtesy of E! Entertainment and features director William Friedkin and actress Linda Blair. The troubles on the set of the 10th highest grossing horror film in history are no secret. In fact, there are several different documentaries found on YouTube that you can dig into yourself to learn more about this cursed production. I remember my mom first telling me about The Exorcist when I was a kid. She told me stories of people puking and passing out in the theater. It sounded like a real hoot. Thanks again, Eddie. That's one I thought I would never get to dig into. Now, as if the mystery of Michaela's call wasn't enough, I had another strange occurrence with last week's installment. Or more like a coincidence. Remember the Mantis Man story we revisited last week from Season 3, Episode 1? Well, here, I'll just let Eve from Oregon help you make the connection. Hi Derek, my name is Eve. I'm from Oregon. My sister told me about your podcast and I've been listening for a couple of years now. You might remember my sister's story about the nine or ten foot mantis man she saw while she was running in Illinois. So we've had a lot of experiences together as kids and as we've grown up and I thought I'd call and share one of my stories or an experience I've had and hopefully I can get your opinion on what I experienced. I've kind of changed my mind about what I thought it was since I've been listening to your podcast, but because it was so different, I'm just not sure what it was. So the first experience I had, I was probably six years old and I lived in Oregon. My family had a single level home. It was my mom, my dad, my sister, and myself. And we had a much younger cousin coming to stay with us for a weekend so his parents could get away. And my parents had given my sister and I the option of who wanted to camp out in the living room and give up their bed. I was extremely excited, wanted to camp out in the living room. And I spent the day getting my sleeping bag pillow, 
stuffed animals ready. I was one of those kids that fell asleep at 8 and slept very soundly through the night. So I don't really remember going to bed, but I remember something waking me up in the night, which was unusual. And I looked around, kind of confused, trying to figure out where I was. And I noticed by our front door, which had those amber bubble glass window panes in it, that there was a a shadow moving around and you could see through from the street light outside. So I was trying to make sense of what I was seeing and I thought maybe it was the milkman back in those days or Paperboy. And I just watched and it seemed like it was there a long time and it moved. And then I realized it wasn't on the outside of the house, but on the inside of the house. And I watched and watched and I remember When it finally came enough around the corner for me to see, it was just a dark shadow. I thought it was a man wearing a cowboy hat and a long duster coat. And I did not know what it was, but I was terrified. And I remember scooching down inside my sleeping bag and holding the top closed, thinking maybe it wouldn't see me. And I don't know how long I stayed in my sleeping bag that way, but at some point... I couldn't breathe anymore. I needed to open, let go of the top and open it a little bit for some air. And I couldn't get it open. And I thought, well, maybe somehow I've gotten myself turned around. And so I was trying to turn around, trying to get out, and I could not get out of the sleeping bag. It was like someone was holding it shut. And I eventually ended up screaming and waking up my parents who came out, and they just opened the top and let me out, and it was fine. But I didn't tell them what I saw. I just was scared and didn't know how to describe it. Then several years later, my family moved to Washington. The house we moved into was bigger than our other house, but we were excited to move into it, although we kind of got heebie-jeebies, not sure why, but it was a new house, so there wasn't anything. It wasn't old or scary, but as time went on, we realized how scary it really was. Uh, The same shadow would walk almost nightly down the hallway past the bedroom, stopping at bedroom doors as if it was looking in to each room. My sister and I both witnessed this as well as my father. My mother was the only one who never saw it. She slept more soundly, I suppose. We had experiences with things being moved around, framed artwork being taken off walls and set on the floor, glass figurines being taken off a fireplace mantle and set on carpeting. This was something we all witnessed when we would get up in the morning and we would hear things during the night. One of the unique things to myself only was, other than the the man in the hat and the long duster coat, on some night I have what I called the goblin parade that would go down the hallway. It was much smaller shadows that seemed to be dancing like they were in a parade going down the hallway. This goblin parade wasn't there every night, but when I would have to get up in the night and use the restroom, which was directly across the hallway, you know, I wake up, watch the doorway for a while to make sure that the dark man wasn't going to be standing there. Or if the goblin parade was going to go by, I would wait and watch uh, and eventually get brave enough if I didn't see anything to run to the restroom. This occurred many times. We lived in that house for just a couple of years. My father actually thought someone was breaking into the house at night. Uh, So then that became a fear that we, when I ran across the bathroom, that my father would thought I was an intruder and clobber us. 
after two years, we moved back to Oregon. My parents had a house built, and it was obviously brand new, nothing scary. And I was very excited to be moving into a new house. When the movers brought in all the boxes, I was unpacking and setting my room up the way I wanted. And the rest of the family, since we had just moved into the state, were going out to dinner for celebration with other family that lived in the area. But I wanted to stay home and get my room set up just the way I wanted. And as I was alone unpacking, a really uncomfortable feeling came over me, and I realized that whatever was in Washington was now still with us. And I was terrified. Over the course of the year uh, living there, not very much happened, but just enough to be scared to be home alone. And I had a pet bird, a little cockatiel that I would... She was on my dresser, and we'd cover her up at night, put a cover over the cage. And one night as I was sleeping, I heard like that crunching sound on the carpet, like someone was moving around my room. And then I heard a wastebasket tip over. And I've always tried not to be afraid of what was there, would deny it, would make up excuses. And so I thought maybe my pillow had somehow fallen off my bed across the room and tipped over the wastebasket. But then I heard the bird start screeching and she would hiss, like kind of like a snake uh, when she was scared. And she was just screeching and hissing. And so I just pulled the blankets over my head and just waited for daytime. And when I got up in the morning, the wastebasket was on the other side of the room, tipped out, everything spread around. The bird was on the bottom of her cage and her foot was broken. And uh, I knew there had been something in the room, but I don't know what it was. So I heard the stories of shadow men and aliens and just strangeness. And so I thought I'd call and see what your opinion is on what it was, if it was something following us or just something new from place to place. I've had random experiences as an adult, very similar with the shadow, but I can't tell you what it is. But I would love to hear you or your listeners opinions thank you Derek thank you Eve there are a lot of moving parts to this entry so I'll take them one at a time well firstly I couldn't help but point out the strange coincidence I found Eve's entry literally hours after last week's episode dropped the episode featuring Eve's sister now Eve It sounds to me like you were dealing with what many refer to as the hat man. Essentially, he's a shadow man, but with a dope hat. Now as for what these things are, your guess is as good as mine. Spirit, elemental, time traveler perhaps. But it seems the hypothesis that holds the most water for me would be that they're somehow from another dimension, one higher than ours. But if I'm honest, that's above my pay grade, so you guys can do your own digging on that. Now, the Goblin Parade certainly caught my attention. It wasn't but a few episodes ago that we shared something similar in the call about the little creature driving a car or coach past a child's bedroom. This one certainly has my interest piqued. Now, that said, something tells me that this phenomena is probably not attached to the Hat Man. My guess would be that it's something local to the new home. And finally, the fact that the strange activities seem to follow Eve and her family. This sort of thing, of course, is not unheard of. 
We've all heard of experiences where the activity seems to be attached to a particular family or even a single person. But allow me to toss another contender into the ring. Is it somehow possible that the activity was attached to an object? An object that continued to move with the family? A cursed bunk bed, necklace, or backpack? We've heard them all before. So I hope that helps point you in the right direction, Eve. And thank you for taking the time to share that entry. Now, if you've witnessed activity like Eve, or any other true paranormal experience, call our toll-free hotline at 1-888-608-NIGHT. That's 1-888-608-6444. Our next entry takes us to the opposite corner of the country. This is Jillian's entry from Florida. Hi, Derek. My name is Jillian Baker. I am calling from Spring Hill, Florida, just a little north of Tampa. And I am calling with a story about something I saw when I was out walking my dog probably about five or six years ago. At the time, we were living in a little neighborhood. It was you know, pretty well established. It was a newer neighborhood but it did have some areas that were um, like preserved areas where you couldn't build houses. It was probably, it's Florida, so the weather's always the same. I can't remember what time of year it was, (laughs) but I was thinking it wasn't that hot, so I'm thinking it was either spring or fall. And it was probably eight, nine o'clock in the morning, and I was taking my Labrador for a walk. And he's a pretty big lab. He's about 85, 90 pounds, yellow lab. But this one area, like I said, is kind of a nature preserve, so there's no houses there. Well, we got up to the corner where we usually take a right around kind of a nature area. And in the kind of, I'm going to call it a ditch, but it's not really a ditch. It's just where, like, it goes down a little bit off the road and then there's woods. On the left, I noticed that there was something on kind of the side of the road, you know, in the kind of like the ditch area. I remember distinctly my my brain trying to place what we saw, you know, it was like go through all these different scenarios or animals in my head and it was like it couldn't come up with the right thing what it was. I remember thinking it reminded me of more like a sea lion's head, you know, like the shape of a seal, you know, with the kind of the cone looking shaped head. And then I remember distinctly thinking to myself, it's a big lizard. The other thing that I really remember is feeling scared like and and I've walked in Florida you know I've been here for quite a while there's not really you know much to be scared of we weren't in an area with alligators so you know there's no reason that there would be an alligator there plus like I said its face didn't have that shape of an alligator it was it was a bit smaller and more conical so I just remember seeing it and stopping and this feeling of just what is this what's going on you know like my brain couldn't comprehend what was going on and and feeling scared and about the same time that this all was going on in my head my dog kind of got anxious as well like I felt him kind of tense up and stop and kind of look in that direction we never saw more than just like its head and shoulder area because like I said once we saw it and the fear set in we stopped and it basically turned and went back into the woods and the grass was high enough that I couldn't see the rest of its body. Now, my only thought is that maybe, you know, if I don't know if it's possible that somebody had like some kind of large lizard that they could have 
you know, released or set free, kind of like in the Everglades here, they have the, you know, the pythons and stuff like that that have been taking over because of people releasing them. So that was my only thought is that maybe somebody had some kind of very large, like, a, you know, a Komodo dragon, something big like that, that they had released that could have lived in the woods there. But I mean, it was big like that. You know, like I said, it wasn't as big as an alligator. And I've seen a lot of alligators because I live in Florida. It was definitely not an alligator, but it was some kind of very large lizard and it was in the woods. It didn't charge us or anything like that. It didn't make any noise. And then it just kind of turned and went back into the woods. I was too scared to go close because I didn't know if it was something that would attack my dog. So I just turned right around and went straight back home and told my husband about it. So I don't know if I would quite call it a cryptid. You know, maybe like I said, it is just a large lizard that someone released. But I would love to hear if anybody else has seen anything like that in the Florida area. Like I said, we live up near the Nature Coast, so north of Tampa in the Pasco County area. I love your podcast. Thanks so much, Derek. Have a good day. Thanks, Jillian. If I had to guess, I'd say you described a large monitor lizard of some sort. Which, as Jillian suspected is the same family of lizards as the Komodo dragon. Now, these lizards can grow up to 8 feet, and they're black and yellow, so fairly colorful. But most importantly, I can see the seal comparison to the monitor lizard's head, especially with the shape of the ear. Now, the only problem is that these creatures only live in Africa, Asia, and Australia. Or do they? Well, chances are if you live along the West Palm Beach Canal, you've probably seen a Nile monitor lizard swimming along the waterway. They can grow to nearly eight feet long, and their native home is far away from us here in South Florida. Nile monitors are originally from Africa, but biologists say some pet owners here in South Florida let them go into the wild, allowing the population to grow. They've been spotted across the state, but mainly in Palm Beach, Lee, and Miami. Dade counties. Here's the problem with this lizard. Biologists say it feeds on eggs of native protected species like gopher tortoises and burrowing owls. The FWC is taking surveys several times a month in Palm Beach County to try to track down the lizards, and if they find one, they catch it or shoot it. Even if we see one, that's that's one too many. So we're, our efforts are directed at trying to completely remove every Nile monitor from Palm Beach County. Now it's important to note biologists will only shoot at lizards if they're in a remote area, not surrounded by people. They are asking residents, though, to report any sightings they have in their community. Live in suburban West Palm Beach, Katie Johnson for the Now South Florida. That clip comes courtesy of WPTV, NBC News 5 out of Palm Beach, Florida. And I realize there's some distance between the locations mentioned in this report and the town where Jillian had her sighting. But in my mind, if it can happen there, it should be able to happen less than 100 miles north. Thank you for the submission, Jillian. You were right to fear for your pup. Although I doubt it could kill a large dog. Reports I read claim these things have been eating cats and small dogs throughout the neighborhood. Are you guys looking for some creepy garb to wear this Halloween? Well, why not hit up the shop at monstersamonguspodcast.com and pick up some MAU-themed gear. Not only are our designs created by independent artists, but each purchase 
helps the show grow and thrive. Oh, and also, if I ever see someone wearing one, you know I'm going to walk up and say hi. And now we've discussed curses, goblins, shadows, and monsters. Let's see what this next one from Austin in Wisconsin brings us. Hi, Derek. This is Austin calling from Florida. I guess this is a story from central Wisconsin. I don't want to give the city just because the smaller towns of anybody's listening that might know who I am. But I guess this was about 2012, and I'm not exactly sure what had happened. I mean, it might be, you know, a creature, a time slip, or just anxiety on my part. But, you know, after listening to the show for so long now, and, uh, I mean, thank you as well for this has helped me get through plenty of cross-country drives. But I had been hunting with my family. It was my dad, uh, my mom, my brother, and myself out on a family farm. And I was sitting in a deer stand across the cornfield, maybe, you know, 150, 200 yards wide. And at the end of the night, it had become dark. It was after sunset. hadn't got anything. And I was walking back to the truck. And after I walked through the cornfield, there's another kind of field as well as a forest. And as soon as I got across the cornfield, I started hearing crunching leaves. And at first, I was like, what is, maybe it's a deer, who knows, but it's, you know, after hours. So I just kind of walked a little bit faster because I know there's wolves in the area and things like that. And I keep walking, and as I speed up, this starts speeding up, and I hear panting coming from behind me. So eventually I start running and turning around every once in a while with my gun. I don't see anything behind me. I yelled out. I didn't hear anything. And it was probably another good 300 yards, 350 yards that I ran before I just jumped in back end of the cab of the truck and closed the door, you know, just hyperventilating and freaking out because I had been freaking out. I'm like, well, it can't be anybody in my family or anything like that. About three, four minutes later, my brother shows up to the truck. And at the time, he was probably about 12 years old. And he had said that he had been running after me, but he had not responded when I yelled out. There was nothing. All I heard was a heavy panting and beef crunching. So I really don't know. I don't know if you've gotten any other stories, you know, kind of like that, where it's, you know, a time slip with somebody else or something like that. But it's just uh, something that's always kind of freaked me out and uh, I felt the need as I'm driving from Florida to Wisconsin now to give you a call. Hope to hear your uh, response on the podcast, and again, thank you very much. Bye. Thanks, Austin. I don't think it would be wise to joke around like that on a hunting trip, so I'd like to rule out that your brother was messing with you. But there are probably a dozen logical explanations that would be more likely than the paranormal. Small birds, the wind or simply our caller's imagination. But, since it's October, and Austin's story did take place in the state of Wisconsin, what sort of monster would we find up there that walks upright and may pant as it travels? Perhaps a dog man, or, as it's known in Wisconsin, the Beast of Bray Road.
That thing, that was no dog. That was too big to be a dog. That thing was bigger than me. That thing was stalking cornfields, jumping on cars, and feasting on roadkill. For two years, people in Elkhorn, Wisconsin, whispered about a king-sized creature who roamed Bray Road. Eerie stories like that prompted Linda Godfrey, a reporter and cartoonist, to investigate. It was all just too bizarre not to be for real. When you live in a small town and you say you've seen something that looks like a dog man or a wolf man, you know, you're going to get some ridicule, and they did. So they had no reason to say this. Despite the ridicule, beast believers came forward in Godfrey's Beast of Bray Road article, like Doris Gibson, who'd seen it on Halloween night 1991. Driving down Bray Road, she had gotten out of her car when she thought she had hit an animal. It was foggy out, and I was a little bit afraid. And this big thing come just like trucking, you know? just trucking down the road at me, man. I looked at it and I'm like, ah! And I ran, I got back in the car. You know, and before I peeled off, that thing scratched the back of the car. That clip was from a 1993 segment on the television program, Inside Edition. And coincidentally, it was my very first introduction to this fascinating cryptid. I remember watching this when it aired back when I was 13 or 14. And my mind was blown. So yeah, Austin... Spooky stuff either way. Best keep your eyes open, just in case. And thanks again for the submission. Now before I round this thing out, let's have a quick chat. Like so many of you, this is my favorite time of year. Except this year, life outside of my house virtually does not exist. And sadly, the same is for most of you. Now, I can't imagine being a youngster at this time, not able to celebrate the greatest of all holidays. No candy, no parties, no tricks, and no treats. So being someone that makes a living scaring people, I felt a sense of responsibility to pull us up by our bootstraps and find some way to celebrate this magical season. So it's with great pleasure that I announce the Monsters Among Us Halloween Party. A live, virtual Halloween party complete with costumes, prizes, special guests, and of course, a ton of stories. Now I'm still ironing out all the details, but for now, I'm shooting for Friday, October 30th. So mark your calendars. Not that you have anywhere to be. Now more details will come as I lock them down. This fun for all ages show may not take the place of this year's Halloween but I'm going to try my best to put together something special. So speaking of special, this last entry is quite the tale. The following was submitted anonymously from the Evergreen State of Washington. Hi, Derek. I'm calling from Washington, and I just discovered this show. I'm really enjoying it, so I thought I'd call in with a story. This is my first time calling in. So this happened in Kirkland, Washington, which is a few miles east of Seattle, Washington. And it was February of 2019. And I was sitting in traffic on 405, which gets really congested during rush hour. So we were creeping forward at about, you know, five miles an hour top. A lot of the time I was spent just sitting there. And it was during the morning commute around like 7 a.m., 
so I think it had just gotten daylight, and it was a cloudy and dingy kind of day, not raining, not really particularly windy or anything. I was directly behind this work truck that had an open bed, and it looked like um, a lot of yard maintenance type of tools and such in the back. And so what happened was I saw this, I guess what I call a really unnaturally large bird-like creature came out from underneath something in the back of the truck bed and it stood up and I at first I thought it was a small person that stood up in the back of the car I mean it was so tall it was like probably at least four feet tall and that's considering the fact that the truck bed sits a few feet up off the ground because they're you know it's not at ground level but it looked even considering where it was standing from to be at least about four feet tall and its wings opened up and the wingspan kind of looked to be about six feet wide it was light gray and it didn't have any markings it seemed to be like one solid color and it was facing away from me so i was looking at its back and its head must have been tucked down in front of it because it looked like it didn't have a head <laughs> which you know would have been ridiculous so I'm thinking that it just had its head tucked down in front of it. And I was probably less than 10 feet away from it because I was just directly behind this truck. So I could see it very well. I could see every detail. It had definite wings, and I could see the detail of some feathers. I remember just getting the creeps when I saw it. There was something about it. It just didn't seem like a bird. It just, I know it sounds weird, but it just, I mean, it looked like it was evil. I don't know how to describe it any different. There was just something really off about it. And it wasn't moving quite like a bird. It was moving more like a person. So I'm not really sure why I felt that there was just something evil about it, other than it seemed to have been hiding and just came out from hiding. I didn't get to see it very long. I guess maybe probably about 10 seconds, which is actually a long time when you sit and look at a watch and see how long 10 seconds is. But And I was just watching this thing. So it stood up. And it unfurled its wings, and then I saw it push off with its legs and gave two big, slow flaps of its wings, and it flew upward. And I looked out my side window and the moon roof and everything to see if I could see which way it went, but it was gone immediately. I just didn't see it fly off any farther. And then I was thinking, you know, did I just see that? Because it just didn't seem, it, it wasn't natural. So I thought about, like, different possibilities of what I could have seen coming out of the back of the truck. And, you know, I was thinking maybe it could have been a tarp or a blanket or some landscape fabric that got caught in the wind or maybe even a big garbage bag because that would seem like the most logical explanation. But the thing is, I was really close to the thing, and the lighting was such that I could see a lot of detail. And I'm certain I saw feathers and well-defined wings and purposeful motions. And it just stood and spread its wings and pushed off. And then these two slow, powerful flaps of its wings that rose up really quickly and disappeared. It didn't seem to be moving like something that had been caught in the wind and was being taken away by a breeze. It seemed to be some kind of bird that was taking off, except that it didn't move quite like a bird. So I looked up different large birds native to this area and looked at various pictures of them on the Internet. I couldn't find a photo of anything that looked quite like this thing. It definitely wasn't a pelican or an eagle or a hawk or a raven or an owl. Trumpeter swans are about the right size for what I was describing, I guess. 
60 inches long and a wingspan of 80 inches. I mean, that that was about in the ballpark. But the, And their wings look a little bit similar to what I saw, but really this thing I don't think was a trumpeter swan because it's, I mean, they're usually white. Even, and it says that juvenile trumpeter swans are gray or brown, but this thing really just didn't look like a swan. It didn't look like a normal bird at all. And where were its head and neck? I mean, it was just, that was bizarre. Anything that was about to take off and fly, I don't see how why it wouldn't have raised its head and looked up. But it was tucked down so well that it looked like it didn't have a head. Well, anyway, you know, I, I don't really know if, if anybody else has had, I guess, what I would call a possible cryptid sighting like this in the Seattle area. But I'd like to hear any feedback if somebody's seen something like this or has any other ideas about what could have made something look like this. Anyway, thank you. I really enjoy the show, and keep up the good work. Thanks. Bye. Thanks, caller. Like my thoughts on Eve's entry early on, this one, too, requires some careful dissection. Let's begin with the local contenders. My first thought is a great blue heron. They're a blue-gray color, fit the size description, and they even tuck their head in so from behind you won't be able to see the neck or even the head. Now did a landscaper collect a quote-unquote body of a bird only to have it come back to life in transit? I doubt it. So I did some searching around and it turns out flying humanoid creatures are nothing new to this region. The following excerpt from Weird US tells of two encounters with strange flying humanoids, all within 100 miles our caller's location. According to some investigators, on the afternoon of January 6, 1948, Mrs. Bernice Zykowski was standing outside her farmhouse on the outskirts of Chehalis, Washington. Something in the air attracted her attention, and she looked up to see a man flying about 20 feet above her barn. He was flying vertically, kept aloft by a set of silver wings. The wings were fastened to a kind of harness and she said she heard a whizzing or whirring sound, which came from the wings or harness. As she watched, Mrs. Zakowski saw the man reach up to his chest and adjust what she thought were controls on the harness. Mrs. Viola Johnson told reporters that on April 8th of that same year, she saw not just one flying man, but three, around 3 p.m. She took a break from her job at City Cleaners in Longview. She went outside and saw what she thought was a small flock of seagulls flying toward her. As they got closer, she saw that the gulls were really three men wearing what she described as gray, Minuteman-style uniforms. They began circling over the cleaners at an altitude of about 250 feet. She rushed inside the cleaners and alerted her co-workers to the strange sight outside. Now I know what you're saying. That was over 70 years ago. Well, what if I told you those aren't the latest or strangest reports to have come in? And with this new wave, this flying humanoid was even given a name. The following article was generously read by a good friend of the show and and host of one of my favorites, Blurry Photos Podcast. Well, it was written by C.R. Roberts of the Tacoma News Tribune and published on April 24th, 1994. Mount Rainier area youth has close encounter in the foothills. Brian Canfield, 18, held tight the steering wheel. He was alone and on his way home. 
The engine died and the dashboard lights fell dark. The pickup truck he was driving stopped suddenly, abruptly, square in the middle of the road there between the edge of the forest and a scrubby clear-cut field. His headlights cut a hole through the night. He sat wondering what was wrong. Then he saw the feet descending. Bird feet, claw feet, then the legs, the torso, the chest, and the wings folded, attached to the back of broad shoulders. Then the head, that face. The creature, nine feet tall, blue-tinted fur, yellowish eyes, tufted ears, and sharp, straight teeth. It's looking right at me, like in a deep stare, like right through me. It's standing perfectly still. It stood for a few minutes, several minutes. Then its fingers twitched, and its wings began to unfold. Those wings were as wide as the road. It turned its head and looked back at me, and started flapping its wings, Hanfield says. Then slowly it rose, and so great was the turbulence, the truck began to rock and sway. Slowly, the creature flew off in the direction of Mount Rainier. A few minutes later, the truck just started, Canfield says. I took off as fast as I could. Canfield told his story at school early last week. Some friends believe him, and some have begun to tease him. One friend helped him with the sketch, and others have come up with a name for the creature, Fat Squatch. I'm really not into this stuff, Canfield says. It boggles my mind really hardcore. I really can't explain it. It's weird. Definitely weird. It did happen. I'm willing to put my life on it, he says. I just have this picture in front of my head. The picture of it standing there. I can't get rid of it. It's just there. I kinda wish it didn't happen. As crazy as that sounds, this is not the only report of a bat squatch. There are several of these reports, including a potential Bat-Squatch attack in the state of Texas. But we'll touch on that one at another date. For now, I'll leave you with this thought. The description our caller gave does match one cryptid, nearly to a T. Humanoid, dark, gray, feathered wings, no sign of a head, and flying away at incredible speeds. I'm not describing our caller's creature. This is the description most witnesses give of the creature known as Mothman. And let's just assume for a moment that this was a Mothman sighting. His appearance is said to foretell great tragedy. So, brace yourself, Seattle. Just in case. And that's going to do it for this episode. Monsters Among Us is written and produced by me, Derek Hayes. Additional support is provided by Addie Lloyd and Sarah Carter Hayes. All audio used in this production is done so under the protection of fair use. And the terrifying music you hear. Well, it's co.ag music and white bat audio. Thank you so much for listening. And until next week.
Now I have one more entry for you this evening. And this one is nothing short of chilling. So chilling, in fact, that I'm going to let this one play us out. I need a little more time to process it. By the way, this would be a good time to join our social media accounts to join in on what I'm sure will be quite a discussion after you hear this one. So enough from me. Please join me in welcoming Julie from Oregon to the program. Hi, Derek. This is Julie. So this would have been 1996 or 7, and I was about 18 years old. At the time, I was living in uh, Portland, Oregon, and I was driving down to Eugene to visit some friends. I was on the main interstate, and it was summertime. I remember it being pretty warm out and, uh, and being really happy about that because I planned to go swimming with some friends. So as I was driving out of Portland, and I was still driving through, you know, essentially the, the metro area, and I wasn't that far out of Portland, and all of a sudden traffic stopped. This wasn't unusual. I'm sure traffic has stopped there right now. <laughs> It can be pretty hard on the I-5. At any rate, there was a big accident on the right side of the road, so the, on the side of the road that I was on. And everyone was, you know, rubbernecking, and it was taking a really long time to get past. And by the time I started um, passing, I realized that something terrible had happened. There was a car smashed under an 18-wheeler. The 18-wheeler was flipped over. They were all off the side of the road. And there was an ambulance at that moment with a stretcher and a yellow body bag. I was really like horrified. I've never seen anything like that. And I was like trying to understand what could be wrong with the person <laughs> for them to be in a bag. And then I went, oh, oh my God. And I realized, and I just, I just looked forward and just kept driving pretty horrified. I was maybe about another mile away and suddenly I looked to my right side because I was no longer alone in the car and uh, there was a woman sitting in my passenger seat and now <laughs> I know this sounds crazy but I guess it's Monsters Among Us <laughs> this is where we take our stories no one else would ever believe <laughs> at any rate I could describe her perfectly she had a red shirt on that had these little diamonds on it she had some blue slacks like she had just gotten off of work from an office job or something she had black curly hair and she had a lot of makeup on, <laughs> a lot of makeup on and while she was 100% there she was there was something very uh, while she was solid in vision like there was something just kind of ethereal about her I just couldn't quite obviously I knew there wasn't somebody in my car so I was startled and and she looked over at me when I looked over at her and she looked completely freaked out she looked like somebody who just suddenly ended up in somebody else's car and she just was like screaming who are you what's happening and she starts to jerk at the doorknob I was in total shock. I, I couldn't understand what was happening. Who was this woman? And then all of a sudden I thought of the body bag I had just looked at moments before. And I just went cold. I went so cold. I, I, 
just remember freezing and I just looked at her and I said, ma'am, ma'am, you need to calm down. My name's Julie. I'm here to help. I'm here to help. And she said, what is happening? What's going on? What, where, where am I? And I said, and I explained to her where she was. I said, we're going through McMinnville. I believe that you were just in a car accident. And she looked forward suddenly away from me and looked back through the windshield as if like she was remembering that the seconds before she had passed. <clears throat> and she looked back at me and said, this, this, this can't be like, this doesn't make sense. And I, I didn't start crying, but tears started coming down my eyes. And I just said, ma'am, I, I believe that you were in a car accident and I believe you've passed away. And she just looked like somebody would who just heard that. I mean, she looked horrified. No, no, no. She said, no. And I said, ma'am. And then just then, like, <laughs> like a movie, uh, we come past, uh, pine trees that had been really thick and forested and suddenly opened up to farmland. And so there was a huge, huge uh, field that went all the way. Your view goes all the way to a mountain range very far away. And the sun was setting because this was facing west. And she, she looked over there and it was just like a movie. The, the rays of light were shining through a cloud that was covering the sun as it was setting below the mountains and it was creating those rays of sun and you almost expected the hand of God to be coming through. <laughs> it was really <clears throat> incredible. And I said, ma'am, do you see that? And she looked away from me and she just became so peaceful. She went from being hysterical to just completely calm. And she said, yeah, I do. And I said, ma'am, do you see the light? And she said, I do. I said, I, I think you're supposed to go to the light, ma'am. I'm really sorry that this happened, but I don't think you should be here anymore. And she, oh, I'm almost crying right now. She looks over at me with the most peaceful face I've ever seen, like the most peaceful look on anyone's face I've ever seen in my life. And she just said, thank you. And she looked back to the right and disappeared. I pulled over, gathered myself because I pretty much lost it. <laughs> I was like, did that just actually happen? That could not have just actually happened. That's crazy. I'm crazy. I'm just projecting like I, I couldn't believe what had just happened. I mean, <laughs> it's unbelievable. I gather myself. I continue on with my trip. Uh, a couple of days later, I, I head back up to Portland to go home, and I happen to be watching the news, <laughs> and they uh, were talking about the accident that had happened. They were referring to the man driving the 18-wheeler and how he had sustained a lot of injuries and that he was actually be getting better, and that was basically what the report was. But before they finished, they threw a picture up of the woman that was in my car and explained that she had passed away in the accident and it had mentioned that there was going to be a public service for her, et cetera, et cetera. And that's why they were telling you who she was. And it was unbelievable. It was just too much. So 
I guess that's my story of a time that I happened to maybe help some woman who ended up in my car. It made me think a lot about what happens to us when we pass away and how in certain circumstances perhaps we don't even know (laughs) that we've passed away. And uh, I was very, very thankful that instead of panicking or writing it off or telling myself I was crazy and just refusing to look back at her, that I managed to call myself and communicate to her. I would really probably have thought the rest of my life that that was just me being crazy, but, you know, the news report was so much validation. Anyways, thank you so much for an awesome podcast. I have become a massive fan and as everyone who listens it seems like and I have told many many friends to listen (laughs) all right thanks so much for such an awesome podcast makes us all feel a little less alone and a little less weird